Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody, and happy Monday to you. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and man, oh, man, a busy, busy weekend. Lots of uh, injury news, unfortunately, and and unfortunately because most of it not very good. Uh, Some surprising performances and probably none more surprising than the Major League debut of Nick Kingham. Almost a perfect game for him. Yeah, we'll be talking about that for sure. Uh, you have uh, stepped up and sent in some lineup questions. The uh, first pitch for tonight is uh, 6.10 p.m. Eastern. That's Rangers and Indians at Progressive Field. So, uh, yeah, we've got right now uh, about three hours to set lineups. So I've got about two hours because I'm not going to do it during the show. That would be distracting, and I'm not a good multitasker. But I'm going to help you out. You've sent in your questions. And very excited about today's guest. Uh, He's been on the show before, but really excited to have him back. Trevor May of the Minnesota Twins. And uh, the timing is particularly good and and very grateful that uh, Trevor's making the time to join me for a segment. Uh, One, because he is working his way back from Tommy John surgery. So we get to maybe break a little loose here. I don't know. Probably not, but at least get an update on his progression back uh, from Tommy John surgery. And also, um, Trevor has his own podcast. It's called, strangely enough, the Trevor May Podcast. And in his most recent um, edition, he talks about advanced stats and how he uses them. Really, really interesting discussion by him. So I'm going to continue the discussion on this year's show, so that's coming up shortly. You definitely do not want to miss that. But like I said, lots of news to get to, so I will delay no further. Yoana uh, Cespedes, uh, who uh, had x-rays on his uh, thumb, his left thumb, came back negative. But uh, he told Newsday that he expects to miss three days and uh, is going to have an MRI. I've not seen anything in terms of, I'm not sure if that MRI has actually happened yet. Uh, and have not seen any results, if it has. So uh, Suspect has also said that he has dealt with this thumb issue before, is not particularly concerned, but um, not not to really try to sway the angle here in one direction or another. But again, how many times have you heard or how many times have I said on this show that player X says, ah, I've, I've dealt with this injury before, not a big deal. So... Uh, especially with Cespedes saying that he is going to miss three more days. Really no reason to take the risk and start him this week. Mookie Betts is a trickier situation. He uh, developed a hamstring issue this weekend. Says uh, he's feeling better, but according to the Boston Herald, he is still day-to-day. I would say in most formats, I I would go ahead and start him, and especially in the deeper formats where, frankly, you're probably just not going to be able to get a viable replacement. Maybe in your shallower leagues, like a 10-teamer, you can look at uh, your options. But it's very, very hard to leave Mookie Betts out of the lineup if he's playing, say, even four games in a week, uh, given the start to his season. According to the Orange County Register, Mike Sosha says that Shoei Otani's not going to pitch before the weekend series coming up in Seattle. But he is expected to DH as soon as tomorrow, Tuesday. So the scheduled uh, starters uh, on Tuesday are going to be uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, Nick Tropiano and then Andrew Heaney. And we have pitcher TBA uh, for Thursday for the Angels. So um, that's a tough one for Otani. Otani, the hitter in leagues where you would start him. And, and I'm qualifying that because 
he doesn't really DH quite often enough, uh, in my opinion, to be used in a in a twelve teamer or maybe even a fourteen teamer. But certainly in, in those deeper formats, um, sounds like you can just go ahead and start him as a hitter, as a pitcher. I think you got to weigh your options there because while he could start this weekend, it does not sound like it's a given. And sort of the the, the same caution that I would put out there for for Jonas Cespedes is that. Even if it sounds good for Otani to pitch this weekend, you just never know what might happen there. And he might not, you know, might not be as effective as you hope either. The Cardinals have sent down Jack Flaherty, which is, I'm sure, frustrating. And I'm saying I'm sure because I don't own Jack Flaherty in A leagues yet. So uh, <laughs> for me, it's it's more of a uh, you know a, a rhetorical, I guess, uh, issue for me. But um, so yeah, Flaherty sent down, but not to worry. Uh, the Cardinals are just going with a four-man rotation with uh, having the luxury of some days off coming up. So um, he will certainly be back, I would expect. Uh, definitely do not drop Jack Flaherty. And also, in spite of the fact that his last start was not nearly as good as the start he made the first week of the season, uh, Flaherty's uh, awfully good, awfully promising. No reason, as far as I'm concerned, to drop him in any format. Maybe only if you're in one of those leagues that doesn't have bench spots. That's about the only situation where I could see that you would not hang on to Jack Flaherty. Robbie Ray had to leave his start this weekend early. He's been diagnosed with a strained right oblique. He is scheduled for an MRI today, according to MLB.com. Regardless of the results, it's expected that Ray will go on the disabled list. So it's really more of a question of how long will Robbie Ray be out? And I'm guessing it's going to be probably several weeks. But we won't know for sure uh, until I would think at the earliest later today. Miguel Cabrera uh, left... Uh, game early this weekend uh, with a tight left groin. And I'm um, uh, sorry, my bad. Left with a left bicep spasm. Uh, Daniel Norris, his teammate, is the one with the tight left groin, uh, according to Tigers beat writer Lynn Henning. Uh, so I do not know anything in terms of severity or duration for either Cabrera or Norris, but it sounds like a day-to-day day-to-day or day-to-day situation for both of them. Uh, Rich Hill, if you were hoping to start him this week, don't bother. Uh, it's certainly not in a daily league for today because Rich Hill is not going to be activated as initially expected. The start against the Diamondbacks. He got an infection, uh, an infection in his left middle finger, according to 570 LA Sports. So I'm just benching Rich Hill in my weekly leagues. Uh, I've got him in two uh, so I'm uh, including Tout Wars. So I'll be benching him this week and actually keeping him on the DL even better. To um, replace Hill in the Dodgers rotation, because he Brock Stewart, at least up on a temporary basis, and to make room for Brock Stewart on the 25-man roster, Yasiel Puig's been placed on the 10-day DL. He's got a bruised left hip and a bruised left foot. Now... Also under the category of you never know what's going to happen with a player on the DL. Byron Buxton's already had one setback. Uh, He now has a hairline fracture in his left big toe after falling a ball off of it yesterday. So he was, uh, I think, already supposed to be back with the Twins and then uh, had a setback. And now he's got this one. So we don't know anything about a timetable for Byron Buxton. According to MLB.com, we may not know for another five days. So not good news, and definitely you need to sit Byron Buxton in any sort of weekly format for this week. Anthony Rendon uh, has uh, worked out and is very, very close to being activated. Uh, according to Masson, it's probably not going to be today, but uh, Manji, manager David Martinez says uh, that it will be very soon. So... That's uh, probably more of a borderline decision for your weekly leagues, but I would lean towards starting Rendon, given that sounds like he's very close. Carlos Gomez is likely to come off the DL sometime during the Rockies series with the Cubs uh, in the earlier part of this week. He uh, ran some uh, sprints to first base, so he's pretty close, but we don't really have a definitive time 
uh, for for Gonzalez. So uh, whereas with Rendon, I would lead towards starting him. Given the information we have right now, I'd say with Gonzalez, uh, I probably lean towards sitting him. And again, part of that is just uh, really slanted towards the fact that Rendon is is somebody that went healthy. I don't question it. I just put him in my lineup. Whereas Gonzalez, even when healthy, I think is is more of a week by week call with him. Will Myers has been placed on the DL. He's got a low grain oblique strain, and as reported by Dennis Lynn, who was just on the show on Friday last week, uh, Dennis Lynn of the Athletic San Diego. Myers expects that he's going to be out roughly two weeks, so definitely don't plan on having Myers back for this week or next week. Josh Donaldson's getting closer. Uh, he went 0 for 3 as a DH in a rehab game with uh, the Dunedin Blue Jays in the Florida State League. Manager John Gibbons says that he could be back when the Blue Jays are uh, finishing up their road trip uh, with Tampa Bay, which I think would explain why Donaldson's rehabbing with Dunedin, which is literally up the road from St. Pete. So uh, this according to uh, Hazel May. Uh, it sounds like Donaldson could be back maybe this weekend at the earliest, though. So, so again, not uh, advisable to start Donaldson for the coming week. Madison Bumgarner will go see a doctor tomorrow. That's Tuesday. And he's looking for clearance to begin throwing. And that's according to NBC Sports Bay Area. So we'll uh, probably have an update on Bumgarner either uh, tomorrow or Wednesday. Joe Panic's been placed on the DL. Um Bruce Bochy says uh, there's a very good chance that Penex going to need surgery on his thumb. And while there's no definitive timetable given the nature of the injury and the fact that he's uh, probably going to need surgery, uh, Panic's expected for right now to be out between six to eight weeks. And uh, I saw in some of my leagues that um, Alan Hansen was was bit on pretty aggressively. He's been called up to replace Panic on the roster, but he's not necessarily going to play full time at second base. He'll split time there with uh, Kelby Tomlinson. So uh, if uh, Hanson's still out there in your leagues, especially in the deeper league, there is some stolen base appeal with uh, Alan Hanson. But just be aware that uh, the playing time might not be all that uh, consistent for him. And uh, also some Giants news. Uh, Mac Williamson has gone on the seven-day concussion DL, went on Saturday, and uh, I've seen conflicting reports because I saw uh, one report uh, that was shared, and let me see if I can find the the handle to give credit where credit is due, Uh, at Caldwell underscore Aaron uh, sent me uh, a report that uh, said that the DL sent for Williamson was backdated that he could be back by tomorrow, but uh, I have seen another report that said that there was no backdating. And so so to basically break the tie, I went to MLB.com and looked at their transaction page, which as far as, you know, my experience is that that's a a pretty definitive source. And there was nothing there about the DL stint being backdated. So I would expect that Mac Williamson is going to be out for almost the entire week. And uh, I would not start him this week. Uh, J.P. Crawford has gone on the DL with the right forearm strain. On Sunday, it was Scott Kingery replacing him at shortstop. So I would expect that's probably going to be the move most games than not. And that's obviously going to keep Kingery in the lineup. And probably uh, one of the bigger beneficiaries is going to be Michael Franco, who won't have to step aside uh, for Kingery to play third base. Wilson Ramos exited the Rays game on Saturday with bilateral leg tightness, and he is day-to-day. According to The Athletic Cleveland, Josh Tomlin may not be long for the Indians' rotation. It's been a rough start to the season for Tomlin, uh, and candidates to replace him include Adam Plutko, who's uh, AAA Columbus, Shane Bieber, who's uh, AA, but having a really nice start to the season, um, Bieber has excellent control, by the way. And uh, Alexi Ogando is another candidate. Yes, that Alexi Ogando, the former Ranger. So uh, keep an eye on that one, particularly in your deeper leagues. And uh, Alex Colome, he took yet another loss uh, in Sunday's uh, game for the Rays. 
This is a little bit different because it actually been going much, much better for Colome lately. He had uh, not given up a run in any of his four prior appearances, looked much better. But uh, this was one of the Rays' patented bullpen games that they have every fifth day. And Kevin Cash basically ran out of available relievers and had to bring Colome in in the eighth inning. And um, so I have to wonder if maybe Colome maybe wasn't as prepared as usual or, or just you know not used to a different type of situation. But I just want to put the context in there because I don't think this is a case of, ah, Alex Colome's lost another game. Blew it again. Uh, it's actually been going much better for Colome lately, and this was sort of a different type of situation. A few more day-to-day situations. DJ LeMahieu is dealing with a hamstring injury. Justin Bohr dealing with some back issues. Uh, Devin Travis has been optioned to AAA, so that should provide much more regular playing time for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and uh, that's that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> that was pretty much took up the whole first segment. Like I said, busy day in terms of news and especially injury news. Uh, but I think we've got a moment here just to take a look at weather and lineups. A whole bunch of lineups actually just came in, so I may have to put that off till later in the show. But uh, weather could be real quick here because it looks like uh, for just about every game on the slate that the weather is not going to be an issue. The only one where it even looks like there's a slight chance of a delay is at Fenway Park, where the Red Sox are going to be hosting Kansas City. Uh, that's a 7:10 Eastern start. And according to the forecast here on Roto Grinders, it's a 24% chance of precipitation at game time. A little bit chilly, too. 48 degrees uh, is the uh, predicted game time temperature. And then going down as the game goes on, but also the precipitation chance going down. So it doesn't sound like that's going to be a real threat to be delayed and certainly not canceled. And this just in, although totally expected, uh, Dan Straley just reinstated from the 10-day DL by the Marlins. Uh, He's scheduled a pitcher for the Marlins tonight. And uh, Tyler Cloyd making room uh, going on the paternity list. So that's it. That's all I got for you now. I'm going to have to hold off on the lineups a little bit later because when I come back, Trevor May is going to be in the house. So do not go anywhere. He and I will be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised earlier on, a very special guest today returning to the show. Um, He is uh, an esports investor and entrepreneur. He is the host of the Trevor May podcast, semi-pro Fortnite streamer. Oh, and he's also a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, too. Uh, It's probably how you best know him. Trevor May, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Al. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely my pleasure. And uh, I enjoyed very much listening to your most recent episode of the Trevor May podcast. And uh, so I just absolutely love the timing of having you on here to talk about uh, advanced stats because you, you spent uh, really the whole 40-minute uh, episode uh, breaking that down for your listeners. So I uh, definitely want to continue the conversation here. But I would absolutely be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, how your recovery is going from Tommy John's surgery. Uh, I know you're uh, down in uh, Fort Myers for extended spring training. So uh, how is it going and, and uh, what is your timetable looking like at this point? It's uh, it's going really well. I've had, you know, I'm just over 13 months out of surgery. I've had zero setbacks. We pretty much followed 
um, the protocol to the T. Um, and right now we're just in, uh, you know, everyday high feel mode. Um, and so I throw my second rehab appearance tomorrow with the, with the extended squad in Port Charlotte against the Rays. Um, and then I have another one after that, uh, morning, um, this next one's three. And, uh, um, and but one, four, five, high 18, and there's a few with Rochester and should be back looking at you know, my 60 day DL. Please up on the twenty eighth of May um, in my head at my entire day, uh, but somewhere around there. So about a month, we're about a month out, barring any effects. But uh, so far, we've been lucky with that. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're having a little bit of a connection problem, so I'm not sure I, I caught all of that. But uh, so what I did hear, so May twenty eighth is the target date to return to the Twins. Uh, yes, May, May 28th is the day I can come off the DL, off the 60-day DL. I started on the 60-day, so um, that is the day we're aiming for at this moment, yes. Okay, fantastic. And, I mean, you're making rehab starts, so is that any kind of indication that uh, you're being targeted for a rotation spot when you come back, or is that TBD or or, uh, or bullpen? Well, um, I, am, I am being uh, stretched out to be a starter um, my last – appearance here is, is supposed to be 90 plus pitches so i think that's a pretty clear indicator of what they're they're, they're having me do coming back um but i've been around long enough now and i've been moved forward and backward you know a handful of times that i know that uh, things change kind of week to week in the major leagues and uh I'm, i've always been a you know where, wherever i'm most valuable to this team guy so i'm still taking that that uh that approach and and we'll see what happens but as of right now you know i, I want to be a I want to stretch out and eat some innings because it's something that uh, you know, currently we, we kind of need up there. So, uh, All right. Well, well, we'll definitely be tracking that and keeping an eye on that. Um, now, like you said, it's been a 13-month road since surgery. Um, what? I, obviously, it's difficult, um, but were there any particular obstacles that were especially difficult, maybe more than you expected? And were there things that helped you to overcome those uh, most difficult obstacles? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the big one's boredom uh, and monotony, um, and not really seeing, not really being able to clearly see like uh, um, results from all the work you've been doing. Um, and it takes a very long time to get to that point where you, you start to see real changes in, in how everything's going and how you feel. Um, and that's and that's just hard being kind of removed, being on the team but removed from the team at the same time is, is just hard mentally when you're a competitor and you want to get out there and play. Um, you know, in 2016, I had a kind of a recurring back issue, and I think that a big reason that it kept recurring is because I was I was so urge, or eager to get back every time, um, and that's so that's something that I'm just I, I don't like feeling helpless, um, and that was that's probably the biggest biggest uh, challenge, but but. You know, the rehab's easy, but all the work's easy. That's something that I, I, it's actually like less than I would do, you know, normally. So, uh, um, you know, I'm a big routine guy. So that was all good. It was, it was just dealing with it kind of mentally, just kind of being out of the, out of the game. And you kind of deal with it by making yourself busy. Uh, as you mentioned before, all my different things I'm doing, that that was not hard for me either. So it, it's been, it's been, you know, a constant wake up every day and be like, all right, let's get one percent better today and, and continue to do that. Um, now we are thirteen minutes, thirteen months, sorry, uh, later, and uh, it took. It felt like it went by really fast and really slowly at the same time. So, um, but I'm excited to be really close now. Yeah, well, and again, as as all are we in, in the fancy baseball community as well. So uh, good to to see that you're you're very close to uh, to returning. And and one thing that you know I've wondered, um, not just in your case, but you know for for the many pitchers who have had to make this comeback from Tommy John's surgery, is um, what sorts of resources uh, are available to you from your organization and your teammates? And and so I can think of you know two two pitchers in particular. Uh, currently on the Twins roster, Lance Lynn and Zach Duke, who have uh, come back. Uh, have they in particular been able to help you or, or maybe any other individuals who were able to, you know, maybe help you set expectations and, and help you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I met Zach at Twins Fest in January, and I was about nine, nine months out at that point. And that's when he came back and throwing. So he was already in games and stuff, and I was just, like, throwing bullpens um, at that time. So he 
we obviously have very different roles and what we needed to do. And, 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 you know, he, he was just talking about, it just became, he knew he had a target date from the moment he wanted to come back. And he was, I was fortunate to have a little bit longer time and he was longer. is probably better. And just not really worry about it. But to be honest, outside of the, you know, do your work, if you do it correctly, you know, you won't have any problems, you really won't. Um, but outside of that, it was all just like what I should be feeling at each stage. So Kyle Gibson was actually a big, um, big, uh, a resource there. Um, you know, like, Hey, would you get tight back here at this point? And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Like, and, and it was, uh, uh pretty much everyone was just nodding it along with me with whenever I said, oh, I'm feeling a little bit like sore or if this isn't recovering as quickly. And they're just like, yes, that's exactly it's exactly normal. So it's pretty much a challenge. You're checking in with your doctor almost, right? So, um, and then dealing with the mental side of things, I think that, you know, we all did it in our own different ways, but uh, um, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, it's really not uh, uh, that scary. Um, and hopefully that's, that's a nice little piece of advice that a lot of, you know, younger guys that could, that maybe have, have pain, or pain or whatever, um, that the, that coming back just is, is, is it's so good now that uh, it's really, you know, you, you got to be really unlucky for it not to not to be be okay. So, it's, well, it's been uh, good. yeah. Well, that, that's good news. Uh, you know, again, for those of us who who follow this, whether as fans or uh, you know, fantasy players or both, uh, you know, uh, to to have that optimistic uh, uh, set of expectations. Uh, now, one thing that you again have been. Uh, spending some time with uh, during uh, the, you know, I don't want to call it a hiatus because I know you're working hard, but, you know, during your time away from uh, being on the active roster is, is your podcast. And so I mentioned mm-hmm. at the outset, uh, your most recent episode, uh, you've talked about advanced stats. You go into quite a, a detailed explanation about FIP and uh, talk about OPS and a number of different things. And you actually made a reference to your own stats. So I thought, well, this is just fantastic because, um, you know, I, I for 60 minutes a day, I, I come on here and, you know, I make my best, hopefully educated guesses about what stats mean. But you have, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the background to, uh, you know, put uh, advanced analytics in their perspective and, you know, with your own stats. So uh, actually, I kind of like to walk through that at that exercise with you since you really you began it on your own podcast. Um, and one thing you pointed out is that over your career, your ERA has been much worse than your FIP. And that, of course, can mean a lot of different things. You, you talked about the role of defense and luck. And, I mean, it's a big, big gap. Your career FIP is 3.71. So that's basically what your ERA would be if it were driven just solely by uh, strikeouts, walkouts, and it was strikeouts, walks, and homers. Uh, but your actual ERA was five, has been 5.14. And we, the two places that I go to probably right away when I see that kind of discrepancy is what's your batting average on, on balls in play and what's the strand rate. And the, the, the BABIP in particular is, is notable, uh, 345, uh, you know, about 45, 50 points above the norm. Um, so, you know, rather than, than, you know, go over your, your entire career, I found your, your 2016 season, which you spent entirely in the bullpen, really interesting because there wasn't as much of a spread between your FIP and ERA uh, in that year. But you, you fit a profile that on, on this show I, I refer to frequently as the, the Robbie Ray uh, profile, which is for fancy owners, a very difficult one to understand that you're deceptive enough to get a whole lot of swinging strikes. Uh, and yet when contact is made, it's often hard contact. So uh, in 2016, uh, you had a 13.2% whiff rate, uh, but the BABIP on fly balls was a, almost double what the normal would uh, what the norm would be in the major leagues, 256, and you had a low strand rate. So that that really blew up your ERA. So my question to you is, well, actually, a, a few questions is, first of all. Is that fair to say that, you know, you fit a profile that looks like Robbie Ray, or if we just restrict it to relievers, uh, Hector Neris might be one of the closer comps to what you did in that season? Um, or is it is it sort of misleading to say, well, you know, we've got two different pitchers who statistically look the same, but, you know, really there's there's a lot more subtlety than that? Um, I, I think it's maybe like a nice little combination of both those things. Um, there's something very specific that happened in, 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 uh, uh, 2016. And if we can point at the fact that I only threw 43 innings, 
Um, that's not necessarily a huge, uh, it's half a year. Right. Um, and, and like I said, earlier mentioned earlier, it was a, a, a 3DL stint from the same injury, uh, the back. And so here's a very interesting to, to kind of quote my own podcast. Um, there's, there, I kind of put statistics or analytics, for example, um, how organizations use it into two buckets and, and one is kind of, uh, um, derivative from traditional stats, you know, finding more specific value out of uh, uh, the, the. Trevor, are you still there? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, no, we look completely lost you, I think, for about 10 seconds. Dang. All right, well, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try it again. Uh, the, I put the stats in the two buckets on my podcast, um, one of which is kind of the recording the deeper dive into the recorded stats from what sequentially what happened in the game runs hits air, you know all that stuff that comes from that all those and then there's actual stats of physics on how guys throw and stats physical stats on how the ball spins and and how how movement works and all these things and there's in this specific scenario i think that the guys who the reason that I had very high swings and misses on the good days, and then there was days where those seemingly those same pitches were exactly were, were instead of swung and miss that just squared and hit for home runs. And by the way, that, that year in, in a, I think it was a five appearances, three and a third innings, I gave up ten runs um, and like five home runs. Uh, and and during those those four five appearances. Um, my the the verticality of my fastball, my forcing fastball, dropped uh, three inches, meaning uh, uh, from the point of the top of the mound to where the ball is released, my, uh, the ball is being released is about on average three inches lower than it was usually. Which means when I said this in the podcast, um, for those of you who haven't heard it, this is what I talk about. Uh, which means that my forcing fastball has kind of a, a little bit of a perceived angle, meaning it. They feel like hitters feel like it's going to go lower than it is, and so they swing under it. But when I lower my when my when my low body gets lower to the ground, and and uh, that relief angle gets lower, and what happened was my back leg was dropping like I was dropping on my back leg much lower than usual because because my back was bothering me and it made me feel I, I, it was my way of protecting myself. So my stride was way longer, dropping my hand a little bit lower. My arm angle is the same, just where the ball is being released was lower because my whole body was lower. That angle disappeared. So that 97-mile-an-hour fastball with perceived angle had 97. It was 97 with no perceived angle. And that's where guys, the, the, they saw it the whole way, and that angle was gone. You combine that with the fact that my back was bothering me and the location of the pitches were pretty much down the middle, um, led me from really, really effective in swings and misses to literally not effective at all. And I think that there's, there's a few guys out there that, that do have that same problem. Uh, there's a guy on my team, um, um, uh, Jose Barrios, who, who also is a drop-and-drive guy and also changes where the distance above the ground where the ball's being thrown, which changes eye vision, the, the way the ball looks to hitters. Um, and, and when he struggles and he, he gets too low back there, he starts to see a, drop, a little drop in velocity and a little di- difference in movement, and that leads to much more hard-hit balls. Um, and so that's kind of what was happening. And so I've done a lot of mechanical things to avoid that from happening and to get the maximum um, out of myself. Well, that you know, that's really interesting that you bring up the parallel with uh, uh, Jose Barrios because uh, one of the reasons that I love him for fantasy is that he has this incredible combination of the ability to, to miss bats typically really great control. Um, and yet the last couple of seasons, he's been right at the bottom of the, the leaderboard in terms of average fly ball distance. So while he is a fly ball pitcher like you are, um, you know, not, this is a, a code I haven't really been able to crack yet, but I mean, he seems to be one of the few pitchers that's consistent, very consistent, as you say, maybe not completely consistent, but re- relatively consistent in terms of uh, avoiding getting hurt on, on fly balls. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, 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 he has incredible body control. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time like watching him do his work, um, and it's all built around being able to repeat his delivery. It's a very specific delivery, right? Um, and he's gotten better year by year, right? His rookie year, he was a little bit more consistent. Um, um, and so those, those really making the, the adjustment mid-game mid has been 
a big deal for him. And, and, but we all have the kind of our patterns we fall into when things aren't going very well. And we, we need, it's how fast do we get back on track and he's getting back on track faster and faster and faster to where it's negligible when it happens. Right. So there's no like mm-hmm. four or five straight starts where he's got no legs. Um, it was something that I saw actually in you Darvish last year in the, in the playoffs, his, you could tell his bat, how much lower he was on his back leg. Cause he's a little bit of a drop and drive as well sometimes. So you, the ball, I don't want we can common vernacular is flattened out, but the, the, his, his spin rates extremely good, um, which is why he can throw his curveball and his slider and his, and, and all, all of this stuff moves so much. Right. Um, and so that, that kind of def- defiance of gravity that spin rate causes uh, uh, wasn't as effective when, when the angle, the perceived angle wasn't there because the, the, how depth perception works and how hitters work is they account naturally for gravity or for how a ball is going to move based on the physics of where they are. So that's why people struggle a little bit when they go to Colorado, getting under the ball and like BP and stuff all the time. One it's, you know, it's, it's, lighter air and the ball flies a little more and you want to hit more home runs to see how far you can do it in BP, uh, which is a mental thing. But uh, uh, it's just, a, the ball just moves just differently. Uh, and it takes a little bit of getting used to it. It's, 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 so it's, it's, some pitchers have that. Like you see guys and they're like, I got those 95 and that guy throws 95. That, that guy throws a slider. That guy throws a slider. Then you actually have to look at like, how tall is he? Where is his arm, arm slide? How, how long is his stride? all those things that make people kind of individual will give you insight into whether or not they have deceptiveness or if they have movement or if they have none of that stuff. And that's why they're, they're struggling. Like it's, that's, that's the next level. That's where teams are now looking for. Wow. Wow. Great. Well, I wish I could uh, keep going, but unfortunately we are, we are out of time, Trevor. So I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all this insight. And I wish you the, the uh, best of luck with uh, the, the next few weeks as you work your way back. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, Trevor, take care. All right, folks, well, uh, we're going to head to break. When I come back, I'll be taking your questions, take a look at some standout performances. So don't go anywhere. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and uh, cannot thank Trevor May of the Minnesota Twins enough for uh, spending the previous 20 minutes with us here. Really uh, great stuff. And, and I love the fact that he, he you know, brought up Jose Barrios as, uh, you know, sort of a, an analog to, to him statistically. And uh, that that's really cool stuff. I uh, wish I could do a whole show like that. And maybe, maybe someday I will. Uh, anyway, so uh, lots to get to here. A few notable things from uh, the lineups that are out. And uh, as I mentioned, I've got your uh, Twitter questions queued up. I will get to those before the end of the show. And before I get to any of that, just my usual daily reminder from Daily Roto that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB projections and optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com slash premium, and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live Final Finish. So head over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. So as far as lineups are concerned, a lot of them are out. Uh, in fact, most of them 
for the uh, 7 o'clock Eastern games. Of course, we got 6 o'clock Rangers and Indians, uh, but uh, most of the 7 o'clock ones are. We don't have anything out from the four later games uh, on the slate just yet. But um, two players that I mentioned in the top segment that are day-to-day, uh, Mookie Betts and DJ LeMahieu, both are out of their respective lineups. So for the Red Sox, uh, they are going to be facing the Royals and Jason Hamill. And uh, they'll be starting Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, there is, like I said, no Mookie Betts. You got Andrew Benintendi sliding over to center field. And uh, you got J.D. Martinez in left. And you can see where this is going. You've seen this maneuver before. Andrew Ramirez at DH. Mitch Moreland at first base and also batting cleanup. And for your Colorado Rockies uh, at the Cubs, this is going to be the lefties, Kyle Freeland and John Lester. Pretty standard Cubs lineup against lefties, uh, but for the Rockies, uh, no DJ LeMahieu. You got uh, Pat Valaika batting eighth and playing second base. And the only other thing I saw from these many lineups that are out that was of some note was... Um, Scooter Jeanette being out of the Reds lineup. Uh, Alex Blandino getting the start at second base. And uh, as far as the outfield rotation goes there, you've got uh, Winker, Hamilton, and Shebler. So uh, you got a night off, uh, at least in the starting lineup, from uh, Adam Duvall. So that's uh, pretty much it so far in terms of uh, what's going on in, uh, in the lineups. Uh, okay, so let's uh, get to some of the notable performances from uh, Sunday's games. And I'm going to keep this maybe a bit on the short side because, uh, like I said, I've got your, your questions uh, to get to. We are now just uh, a little bit more than two hours from first pitch. So definitely want to make sure to... Uh, get uh, get to your lineup questions. So uh, obviously the big story from the weekend and from Sunday in particular was Nick Kingham's major league debut uh, was perfect for six and two thirds innings finished with seven innings, just one hit, uh, no walks, no runs, nine big strikeouts. Uh, he, according to MLB.com has only been throwing a slider for about a month and he's apparently a very quick learner because it was devastating. He threw it 32 times on Sunday against the Cardinals and got 12 swings and misses. So there you go. Um, that's, uh, again, the first major league start from Kingham. And you know, very limited time. Obviously, the season's young, so very limited time this season in AAA. Uh, Kingham also uh, has had Tommy John surgery, so uh, that interrupted his career. And this year's been been really different for him. Uh, much more of a strikeout pitcher at AAA. Uh, got to think at least partially due to that uh, that slider. So it's, it's hard to know at this point. I mean, you, you can say, that well, he's got the slider, and, and so he's getting more swings and misses, getting more strikeouts. We saw it at AAA. We saw it in his debut. Uh, this, this guy's going to be awesome. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see over time. He's cer- certainly worth uh, a flyer in just about any format. But I would pump the brakes a little bit before we see him at least a couple more times and hitters have a chance to scout him and adjust him, adjust to him. Uh, probably not adjust him directly, but you know what I mean. Uh, Garrett Cole he continues his uh, assault on major league hitters, and he set an Astros record with his last start. Uh, he now has 61 strikeouts in the month of April. Just astounding. So finishing up with a 12K performance on uh, on Sunday, and uh, not, not a whole lot more to say because Cole has just been consistently terrific uh, this season. Caleb Smith also has been pretty consistent in terms of getting strikeouts. He's not always been effective in every start. Um, but again, another big strikeout performance this time against the Rockies on Sunday. Nine Ks and in seven innings. No runs allowed. Only two hits allowed and only one walk allowed. So a really great start. And this was probably critical for Caleb Smith because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Dan Straley's been activated. Uh, Wayne Chen's already been activated. Um, so the, the Marlins rotation is getting back to, to full strength, such as it is. And, and you know, I, I say that, obviously, because it's not like uh, 
that's some you know uh, a part of the team that was expected to really uh, be outstanding. But as I did note in a show last week, while the offense has struggled, even without Straley and Chen, uh, there have been some bright spots in the rotation. Jose Urania certainly had some moments, and, and Caleb Smith looking really good. Of course, he had the one you know, outstanding start from Trevor Richards before he got optioned down. But I think this is critical for Caleb Smith because I would have to think this cements his position as the Marlins' fifth starter because, uh, you know, um, Arania was the opening day starter. He hasn't done anything to uh, cause himself to be taken out of the rotation. Harlan Garcia has been outstanding in, in three turns through the rotation. Straley and Chen obviously are going to be in the rotation. So uh, Smith would, would seem to have done what he needed to do to grab that fifth spot. Tyler Chatwood has the fifth spot in the Cubs rotation and obviously not in any danger of losing that either, but uh, one of his strongest performances of the year against the Brewers on Sunday, seven scoreless innings, giving up only two hits and three walks, which is not great, but not as bad as some of his other starts as far as uh, walks go and only four strikeouts. And, you know, Chatwood's formula basically this season, not really all that different from past seasons is, not getting a lot of swings, which is generally a troubling thing for a pitcher that doesn't really have the best control. But when he is in the zone, he is freezing batters at a, at a pretty good rate, or at least a, a decent rate. And when contact, when there are swings and contacts being made, very little hard contact for Chatwood. So you know, between that and the run support that he's likely to get from the Cubs, I mean, that really does make him viable in fantasy, even if uh, he's not able to always produce strikeouts. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, this is somebody that was not only on my bust list, but near the very top of my bust list coming into this season. I just did not buy the the performance last season, which was better than his, his typical fare and had a very high strand rate, but he's, he's doing it again against the Diamondbacks on Sunday. He only gave up one run over seven innings, six hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. So certainly nothing to complain about with that stat line from Gio Gonzalez. And I've spent a lot of time on this show talking about how I, I really can't figure out Didi Gregorius because he uh, is able to you know, hit with power for consistency, even though particularly over the last two seasons, uh, he, you know, he really didn't have the, the stat cast uh, peripherals or uh, batted ball peripherals that, would would suggest the, the the kind of numbers he's put up. Kind of the same thing with Gio Gonzalez. Uh, he's got these, you know, this year it's a 79% strand rate. Last year it was 82%. Uh, he's getting the strikeouts. I'm not exactly sure why he's uh, up to a 25% strikeout rate. Last year it was 23%. Uh, and yet, you know, a lot of his peripherals really just don't suggest that he's a substantially different pitcher than he was last year. Now, Gonzalez does have a 1.43 whip, so maybe that does point to some upcoming regression. But somehow he continues to get it done, even though the peripherals are are merely good, not great um, for Gio Gonzalez. So uh, the other Gonzalez that made a start on Sunday is Marco Gonzalez. And he went six innings, not, not certainly not as good of a start as Gio Gonzalez had, Two runs on six hits, only one walk, and only four strikeouts. But bear in mind, this is against the Indians, and the Indians uh, right now have the fourth lowest strikeout rate against left-handed pitchers. So this is maybe a, a tougher-than-average matchup for Marco Gonzalez, and still the overall results were, were very good. And one more pitcher, and timed perfectly with Trevor May's visit, Jose Barrios, his second straight not very good start. He only lasted three innings, gave up four runs on five hits and three walks, and zero strikeouts. That is a very unusual ratio for Barrios, who typically has good control. Uh, you can pretty much count on him getting about a strikeout per inning. So no, no strikeouts, three walks and three innings. And the last, that's not two starts in a row where Barrios has... Uh, not had very good control. So first one was against the Yankees, and you could have definitely chalked that one up to the matchup, not only in terms of having less than his usual control, but just getting hit hard. But against the Reds, you would have expected better results. So, uh, you know, maybe part of you, 
of what Trevor May was talking about there with Brios with some of the inconsistency in terms of release point and um, you know maybe just not being able to locate where he wants and, and uh, you know when he is uh, giving uh, the opposition something to hit that they're they're able to to make better contact on it. So we'll we'll have to see there. A uh, few hitter performances that I'm basically just going to breeze through here because I really need to get to your questions. Two homer performance from Ryan Healy uh, against the Indians, also a double. One of those home runs and his double came off of Josh Tomlin. So bear in mind that Ryan Healy has a 541 OPS against ground ball pitchers, much better numbers against uh, fly ball and neutral pitchers, and Josh Tomlin is most definitely a fly ball pitcher. So I think the, the matchup helped Healy there. Chesler Cuthbert with the two-homer game, his first homer, two homers of the year uh, against the White Sox. Pedro Alvarez with a pair of homers against the Tigers. Ronald Acuna stays hot with a couple of doubles and a couple of walks against the Phillies. And Jose Peraza is on a hot streak, uh, three for five on Sunday against the Twins. In his last seven games, he's 15 for 34 with a couple of homers. Those came in the same game. I think that was Friday. And only one stolen base, though. So sort of a topsy-turvy stat line for Jose Peraza. But uh, it was just a few minutes left. I am just going to launch right into your uh, Twitter questions. So uh, hang on one second because I'm having to take a little longer for me to load these up than I had planned. But uh, here we go. All right, so first one here from at Tierney2000. Rank rest of season for a 12-team head-to-head categories league with uh, these are all pitchers and quality starts and wins. Uh, Oh, and losses. Wins, losses, strikeouts, ERA, whip, and quality starts. Uh, The the rank E's are Joe Lucchese, Mike Fultonevich, Ronaldo Lopez, Mike Soroka, and Luis Gohara. Um, so I certainly would give the, the Braves pitchers a little bit of a boost here because of wins and losses counting for something. Uh, and I would go... It's I, I actually go... I'm actually going to go Lucchese at the top. I like him the, a little better than the rest of the pitchers on here. I go Lucchese, Fultonevich, Lucchese, uh, Gohara, Soroka, Lopez. That's a tough one. I mean, I really like all of them, but that's the order I would go. Uh, from at Jay Legeza, uh, he also notes that he is looking forward to uh, Tuesdays with Modica and Nando Thursday. Uh, start one of the head-to-head points league. Is that Godley, Nick Pavetta, or Miles Michaelis? Yeah, that's also that's going to be a tough one too. And and. Godly would you know normally be sort of the no-brainer for me, but coming off of not a great start and then facing the Dodgers this week, but I, I just do trust him the most. And Nick Pavetta doesn't necessarily get uh, a, an easy time with uh, uh, the Washington Nationals, Michaelis, uh, the Cubs. So yeah, I am still going to go with Zach Godley here in that one. And from at Lenuf. Uh, start two pitchers out of Otani, Matt's, Marco Gonzalez, Giles, and Kalame. Uh, I'm going to take, as I talked about earlier in the show, take a pass on Otani uh, for this one just because of the uncertainty of his return time. So I'm going to go with Marco Gonzalez. I mean, he's the easy one here. And boy, this is tough. I'm not really sure I trust Stephen Matz either. So I'm going to go Gonzalez and by default, Ken Giles as the other one. So uh, there you go. Uh, those would be my choices. And that uh, should be it. Yep, that's it. So thank you so much for sending in your questions. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, thanks again for uh, Trevor May stopping by and spending some some quality time with the show. So uh, I will be back tomorrow, Tuesdays with Modica. Who doesn't want to be here for that? Nobody, right? Everybody wants to be here with Tuesdays for Mandika. So I will see you here tomorrow. Good luck setting your lineups and good luck this week. Have a great one, everybody.